Hello and welcome to Acres of Nature, a podcast brought to you by United Utilities. I'm Emma Clark, and in this series, we're exploring what makes our little patch of the Northwest extra special. In this episode, we're talking about Rivington, or as the locals call it, Rivy. Not only is Rivington a popular visitor spot in Lancashire, it's also key to keeping the Northwest's taps flowing. United Utilities has a long history of protecting and enhancing the water environment in this area, and the company also works with its partners to safeguard nature and wildlife and enhance biodiversity. And when it comes to Rivy, there's no one better to tell us about it than the Visitor Information Officer, Kathleen Booth. I asked Kathleen what you'd expect to see when you first get here. Well, hopefully, when you step out of your car, if you're early enough, you'll hear the bird song, which is absolutely beautiful. And then, if it's been raining, you'll smell the grass and you'll smell the trees and all the wonderful vegetation. And if you're setting off from the car park, um, perhaps to the folly of Liverpool Castle, you can be walking along the reservoir path and you can see the sun on the water if you're early enough and you get absolutely beautiful views of that and the colours, they're changing the trees, they're changing the water, they're changing the area and it's, it's just magical, it's absolutely stunning and you can have that in the morning uh, and sun up and sunset, that it's, it glows and, and it's changing its aspect changes all through the day, all through the seasons. And when you're walking, you absorb this and you smell it. And it's a wonderful feel-good factor. And it, it's very positive. And people now, they're very concerned about mental issues. And places like this are sanctuaries, and they help that. And it's wonderful. Kathleen's right that as well as being home to some incredible nature, Rivington is a fantastic place to come and visit. We're so lucky to have access to these green open spaces in our area. And if you can spend time in nature, it does wonders for your own well-being. But I suppose it can be quite daunting to look at a map and see all these trails around the impressive reservoir. Kathleen's advice? Just give it a try. You don't need to be afraid to explore because everybody you meet here is a guide and they'll show you the way and they'll help you and they'll tell you anecdotes and they'll advise you, give you a little bit of history. So we're all working to the same end. And there's something for everyone at Rivy. Whether you're visiting with kids for the first time or you're an experienced adventurer, Kathleen told us about the different things you can expect when you come. Rivington is a wonderful place. It's a precious place. And there's so much for everybody, of all abilities, all mindsets, and we have activities that are here to cater for everybody, whether it's walking in a very peaceful way, whether around the reservoirs, or whether you want something more strenuous, where you go through the terrace gardens and up to the pike, maybe take in the moorland. If you're a cyclist, then we have bridleways for you, and along with the um, for horse riders. We have a go eight facility here for the adventurous. And should you want a water-based activity, uh, obviously it's supervised, but we have the Anderton Centre on the lowing, Lower Rivington Reservoir. So really we offer something for everybody. And Kathleen told me that her role at Rivington is really to broaden people's horizons. 
to push them to go that little bit further and see what they can discover. People can almost have a tunnel vision and being in the countryside opens a bit like a flower. Now that's a bit trite, but walking in those areas, people who haven't walked before, it starts to give them confidence and I feel that's my job um, because a lot of people are afraid of maps and I used to be, I have to admit, but you know, if you can give somebody a route and they can do it confidently, then they're prepared to try something else. And then the area opens out to them and that means they can explore the area and make the most of the day with their families. So what should you keep your eyes out for when you visit? Kathleen told us what she recommends to families who ask for her advice. I might mention the folly of Liverpool Castle and children are just excited because it's a castle. Uh, I know it's a ruin, it's a folly, but they don't mind that because there could have been battles fought in there, in their imagination. And the same with when they explore the terrace gardens. They go on all the different levels and they'll see the shelters and uh, the wonderful restoration work that's gone on there. Right up to the Pigeon Tower, which is the Rapunzel Tower, where, you know, it's a fairyland and then onto the pike. So there's lots of exciting things and imaginative things to do. And this is sometimes where children get lost because they think they'll hide and surprise their parents, which is great fun till they can't be found. And that's when I step in. You can hear how passionate Kathleen is about Rivy. And the same is true when you speak to anyone who's been out and about in this really lovely part of the world. But for some people, trips to Rivington don't always go to plan. So we have a, a variety of lost things. We have lost dogs, lost phones, handbags, cars, wives, husbands, maybe intentionally, who knows? But uh, basically we managed to recover all those things. And Kathleen really had to step in to save the day when one couple strayed a bit too far from the path. They say, I wonder if you can help us. We seem to have lost our car. So I invite them in and we look at the map and they decide the way they thought they came in. So it all seems very positive. And because it's late, I suggest, and it's a family, we go in my car. So then we do... Um, a tour of Rivington car parks and we can set off and we optimistically go to the first one and I don't think it's this one. Did you think it was this one? No, it was, it was more in the countryside. This is near the road. Right, so we set off again and um, eventually having, as I say, done the tour of Rivington, shown them all the car parks, all the sizes, all the colours, we eventually come back to where we started, which is probably where I am, and go up the whole drive. And lo and behold, there it is. But at least we found them and we got the car. Of course, most people don't lose the cars, but it's helpful to know who you can call if you do get stuck. Now, you heard Kathleen talk about it there, but one of the most impressive features at Rivington is the terraced gardens. Rivington Terraced Gardens is a magical place of hidden paths, caves, structures and lakes, covering an area of roughly 45 acres of hillside. United Utilities own the land, but we work with partners, including the Rivington Heritage Trust and Groundwork, to restore it and look after it. 
Andrew Souter spoke to us about some of the work going on. My name's uh, Andrew Souter. I'm the Heritage Programmes Manager for Groundwork Cheshire, Lancashire and Merseyside. And I, for a number of years, have done large-scale heritage projects, um, big restorations. And we have the only heritage team in the whole country um, for groundwork. Um, and we have partnered with United Utilities and Rivington Heritage Trust to firstly find the money to restore the terrace gardens at Rivington and then to deliver that project work. Um, and we've done that over the last probably four and a half years now um, with various challenges, but um, ultimately very successfully. But what makes the terrace gardens so special and why is it important to restore and protect them? The terrace gardens are, are very much a kind of lost gardens. They were um, reported by Countryfile a few years ago as being one of the top five lost gardens in the country. So the gardens have uh, about 11 miles of footpaths, um, an Italian-themed area with loggias and, and sort of cascading stairways. There's a building that was originally called the Lookout Tower that's now the Pigeon Tower. Lower down in the gardens there's a Japanese-themed area uh, and stroll garden and there's a 100 metre drop waterfall with a number of cascades and pools which is one of the finest examples of its kind in the country. But we're talking about nature today, so I was interested in what sort of wildlife you can find in the gardens. The answer is quite a lot. The gardens have a, a huge wealth of wildlife. There's lots of different bird populations in there. We've got goldfinches. Um, there's actually a nesting pair of uh, greater spotted woodpecker up there at the moment, and we have a camera on watching them. Uh, deer visit the gardens regularly. Uh, we have common lizards, which, despite the name, aren't particularly common. Um, and then just above the gardens on the moors, there's curlew and other species. So it's a real haven for wildlife. And having undertaken a huge restoration programme for the structures, the main focus of our work now is to uh, manage the gardens and the woodlands for the benefit of that wildlife. Uh, and that includes some habitat improvements throughout to uh, encourage more species to, to sort of take up residence. And what does that work look like? Andrew told us about some of the work that he and his team have done. Over the last four years, we've improved all the drainage on site. We've redug a number of ponds. Um, the two lakes have been restored completely um, and now hold water and are home to uh, fish species and uh, newts and toads and other things at the right times of year. Within the woodlands, we've done some thinning work, which sounds counterproductive, but actually we had a lot of very tall, very thin trees and very little growth on the floor. And that means there's very little food for insects and small mammals and therefore small birds and the, and the bigger species. So actually the, the way to improve the habitat is to, re to remove some of the weaker trees, uh, create some light uh, to the ground floor and that gives you an understory and then you see more food and more areas for things to forage and, and, and run around in. Um, and therefore the, the number of species and the, the quantity of them is now coming back and improving. Um, in the last six months we've started to build a series of um, little pools throughout the gardens um, and we've put in a number of wildlife corridors and, and effectively that's creating hedgerows um, and, and um, other planting that allows things to move from one place to another within the gardens. But work to restore the gardens is a massive job and Andrew can't do it on his own. Getting the community involved in some of the work is so important to keep momentum with the project and it sounds like recruiting volunteers isn't a problem for Andrew. I have a team of three that work with me uh, and the Trust has a friends group which supports and encourages volunteering and then we have about 250 volunteers on our books who will come out whatever the weather to help uh, and then in addition to that we work with school groups and we work with corporate groups who come up volunteering so collectively we deliver probably about 30,000 hours of volunteering time every year 
which um, is quite a logistical challenge, but means we can get a huge amount done. And what makes these volunteers so keen to help out? People just love the place. Some of them would rather uh, lead guided walks and talk about the history and have a fascination with that. And that's something that obviously we support. Some want to get stuck in and, and, and will be knee deep in mud with a spade and, and digging. And that's, that's wonderful as well. And then we have a number of people who come and help us with events. You know, we have people with a comms background or a PR background. We have people that uh, deal with security. We've got a couple of former and current police that work with us that help with security. So volunteers provide a huge workforce and actually a massive passion for the, for the gardens and the sorts of work that we can undertake with schools and others. And they really sort of enthuse us to push further and do more. And volunteering on projects like this is important for the site. Andrew told us that the work he does wouldn't be possible without the incredible work of the community. But it's also important to the people who get involved too. Learning about and having that direct connection with nature and, and the history is um, hugely important. And I think more so now people have been locked up during COVID for, for such a period. That interaction with others and, and, and the, the impact that nature can have on people's well-being is really obvious. We have um, a number of volunteers who have quite openly said they've struggled during COVID and, and, and before, uh, and one of whom reflects on the project and says it, it's made such a difference in his life because he was virtually a recluse before he joined us. Uh, and Phil now um, credits the project as being one of the key things that's helped him turn that around. And that's wonderful to hear for us. Um, but the, 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 the place and the, the environment, the atmosphere and the, and the way people interact with it is hugely beneficial and it's something more of us should do. So there's lots of work going on in and around Rivington to protect and preserve the environment, to improve habitats and to increase wildlife. And it all sounds brilliant, but why is it important? We spoke to Pete Wilson, who works for United Utilities as a catchment partnership officer. So this part of the world, the, the environment around here is really important. Um, about three, four years ago, something like that, I can't remember exactly, time flies, but uh, a lot of this land, not exactly where we stood right now, but not too far up the hills, designated as a site of special scientific interest, which is about the sort of highest level in terms of um, its environmental value. So we've got the, the habitats, but we've also got um, species that form part of that designation. So you go right up onto the tops, onto, onto the moorland, um, you've got the blanket bog and you've got all the birds that are associated with that, particular things like curlew, dunlin, some of those breeding waders. And you've got areas where we are now, some of the woodlands have also been designated, again for the habitats, some uh, semi-ancient natural woodland, like the oak tree we're, we're stood under, under at the minute. Um, but also the, the breeding bird assemblages, things like red start, um, pied flycatcher, etc. That, that use these woodlands. Coming back down the hill, um, right down to the bottom, you've got the, the water environment, the reservoirs themselves, the rivers. Um, you've got things like dippers, um, grey wagtails. Um, you've got important populations of ducks, um, black-headed gulls, breeding black-headed gulls um, over the other side of the hill. A lot, a lot of our reservoirs are really important for uh, especially wintering in wintering uh, birds and ducks um, get big roosts of uh, you know, things like um, mallard teal, less, less numbers of widgeon um, and those old favourites, the, the gulls spend, um, spend their winter nights floating around on the reservoirs. It's easy to walk around Rivy and take in how beautiful it all is. 
But what Pete's spoken about there is actually the real importance that Rivington and sites like it have to our wider environment. And work to improve the environment at Rivington has a knock-on effect on water quality, air quality, biodiversity, carbon capture. A huge number of these massive issues are being tackled through the work of volunteers, team members and environmental experts at Rivington. One of those experts is Hazel Gregory. She's a catchment controller for United Utilities. That means she's responsible for all sorts of things around Rivington. Well, a catchment controller is a very varied role, I have to be honest. No two days are the same. Um, we look after reservoirs, that's half of our job, if you like. So we'll be doing reservoir inspections. We do those every 48 hours to make sure everything is safe and as it should be on the reservoirs. Looking at various infrastructure um, and various things that we measure on a regular basis. Uh, and then we also look after the catchment side of stuff. So that will be things relating to recreation and access. Um, so it might be things from litter picking to being out with contractors, improving infrastructure on site to make access and things better for, for the visitors. Hazel told us that she reckons over a million people come to Rivington every year. So with that many people walking through the gates, what do they say when they see some of the work done here to improve the environment and make it a great place to visit? People generally love it, to be honest. They come, they can't believe this is on the doorstep, and some people, especially if it's their first visit, can't believe they've lived five miles away and never been before. Working with Hazel as a catchment controller is Andrew Ridings, and he told us why people want to come to Rivy. I think the area attracts people because it's very local to some of the wider conurbations. We've got Manchester, we've got Preston, um, we've got Liverpool not too far away, and the local mill towns as well. People come here because it's a beautiful place to be and um, it's largely free, they've nothing to pay for uh, and on, on conditions like we've got today, they've got a bit of a beach. In fact, we, we did name it once Costa del Rivington. We do get lots of groups as well coming to visit specifically for wildlife uh, and just enjoying countryside walks and, and just generally enjoying the environment. And we've heard about some of the initiatives that United Utilities are running locally to improve the environment and we've spoken about why it's important to the wider ecosystem. But as a water provider, it's also really important to manage these areas well. Here's Hazel again. The United Utilities' role within this area is, well, throughout the northwest really, is source to tap is kind of um, how, it's, how, how we look at it really. And we, we're at the source really, so from the water starts on the hills, comes down to the reservoirs, through the treatment works and out to people's homes. So, a lot of people probably don't even know that we realise that we own the land that it's catchment for, but it's very important for us to own it and then we can manage what goes on in it to make sure that there's not anything that's causing um, any issue for the water quality. We try and manage the land to, to enhance um, the wildlife and nature and, and all those sort of aspects. The West Pennine Moors is now, is now a triple SI, um, so we work with Natural England to try and improve those habitats and also our tenant farmers as well um, to try and get things better for, for all aspects of wildlife, really. And we spoke about the importance of working together on all these issues. And Andrew told us again about why you, you work with other agencies to improve Rivy. So local initiatives um, include, so of course, working with um, other organisations and partner agencies, uh, such as RSPB and Natural England, to give us the opportunity to identify areas where we might be able to improve habitat 
and, and get the wildlife back into some, some of those areas. We have had difficulty over this last few years with the increase in moorland fires. We've been able to work with our partner agencies to ensure that we target the right areas to recreate the, the damage done by the moorland fires and to make sure the species of uh, wildlife that we had before is encouraged back to the area. United Utilities are also involved with a lot of tree planting and forest and woodland management and restoration and this in turn helps the wildlife to come back into the area and, and benefits not only the wildlife but of also the water quality um, as it's demonstrated that if we've got forest and, and so, certainly dense vegetation the water slows down as it's coming down towards the reservoirs, filters a lot of the impurities out before it gets into the reservoir environment. So it benefits it all round. Well, there we have it. Sites like Rivington are not just beautiful places to come and visit, but they're also really important when it comes to protecting and preserving the local area and our wider environment. And we're almost done here in our chat about Rivington. But before we go, I just want to talk quickly about why it's really important to look after these beautiful places, if they're going to remain that way. In fact, Kathleen Booth, who we spoke to at the beginning of the episode, told us why your help is so important to help keep Rivy looking its best. It's really important to be responsible when you visit Rivington because your trip, when you leave this area, it should be as if you haven't been here. And that's the way it has to be for everybody. So we can share it. You came to a a lovely area with beautiful open spaces. You didn't see litter, you didn't see cans, hopefully. And that has all been, maintai been maintained by United Utilities for your enjoyment and for conservation and for all the reasons that you come here, for the peace, the quiet, the enjoyment, and to look at the beautiful views. So that is our duty of care, to pick up our litter, not to make fires, and to preserve this area in the best way we can so we can all share it responsibly. And some final words of wisdom from catchment controller Hazel Gregory. If you've never visited Rivington before, come, it is absolutely lovely. Please be careful what you do, take your litter home, no barbecues, and please keep out of the water because it's extremely dangerous. But come and enjoy the place, it is, it is beautiful. There's a lot to see. Nip to the information centre and just explore. So there you have it. Wildlife, plants and the natural world are all such an important part of life here at Rivington. And you can play your part in keeping it such a special place to come by taking home your litter and generally by being responsible. And the work we do to protect and preserve nature here at Rivington is important for the visitors who come here and there are more than one million of them every year but it's also absolutely vital for the whole planet too. So I'd like to thank my guests today, Kathleen Booth, Andrew Souter, Pete Wilson, Hazel Gregory and Andrew Ridings. And I'd also like to thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more from United Utilities, you can find Acres of Nature wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find more information about some of our incredible sites at unitedutilities.com slash acres of nature.